good morning and welcome to a hometown edition actually it's not really either of our hometowns at all but um it's where we started the podcast um we're in dallas uh aaron and i are well aaron's gonna be on zoom but i took the uh private jet down to dallas to meet with our executive sponsor uh for some contract negotiations for year uh two through four um so yeah bird flew great fucking wheels up real quick ripped over um and by the bird i mean the uh chevrolet tahoe um <laughs> we i guess i'm completely fucking up so this is episode um is it 105 yes sir. 105 of the sunday conversation podcast uh presented by loyalty liquors and um we're here at corporate right now <laughs> at, in dallas aaron how the hell are you uh i'm great ben i am great i am in that yeah that, that pre-vacation mode. exactly that last little phase of you got a lot of running around to do but you're two days away from vacation at this time in two days i'll be on a plane uh, actually, I might be in Charlotte at Charlotte Airport at this time, but one or the other. Uh, well, that's so, right, because that's where the bird's picking you up, right? Right, exactly. Charlotte, that's right. Um, but like that, that last second anticipate uh, 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 anticipation is building. I've got great news. My fucking suit came in in time. I'm going to pick it up at noon today. Uh, so fired Wait, up. About, my suit made it, baby. Dude, it's talk great. about a turn of events. So it, like I said last, well, so I said on the pod last week, I was like, if it doesn't ship by Monday, I'm fucked. Sunday night, I get a notification that it shipped. I'm like, no fucking way. But it's coming. It was coming from China. It wasn't even coming from Vancouver. It was coming from the other side of the fucking world. I was like, dude, this thing's going to get held up in fucking customs or something. So I'm checking like every like six hours or so to see where it's at. And it's not updating. And then the next night at about the same time. So Monday night. I check and it says it's in Cincinnati. I'm like, there's no way this thing isn't fucking. It's been there since Thursday. I just haven't been able. They make you do a uh, a final fitting. It's like you go and try everything on, make sure it fits how you want it to fit. But what it doesn't matter to it really doesn't matter to me because it's not like they're gonna be able to fix anything in the two days I need them to fix it. I don't think. Um, um, wait, dude, that's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. I guess my question is. That just re kind of works everything in my brain about the the global shipping crisis. You're telling me a suit from yeah. China, yeah, just got from China to America to, to West Hartford, Connecticut in four days. In four days. Yep. Damn, that really puts in perspective the guy that needs that piece for his boat motor down in Nicaragua <laughs> that's taken him four and a half months to get you know it also makes me think that DHL is the best shipping service on the planet that nobody ever uses because I mean like the, the turnaround time was absurd um DHL, look it up it's like some like these house something I'm pretty sure it's a German it really? carrier it's like well, know. that would make sense why they're so good that the Germans are efficient at everything. But so that's great bit of news. Going to pick that up today. Where do you get that? So where does that ship? It, I shipped it to Indochino has a showroom at West Farms. So I shipped oh. it there. Uh, DHL. 
Uh, so I should, and cause, well, because as we've talked about on this pod before, I don't trust my, uh, my mail right. guy at all. I, they would have shipped it here, but I didn't trust my mail guy at all. So I had them just ship it straight there. Um, I can't find what DHL stands for. Uh, so that's great. Um, you know, I cleaned my entire apartment yesterday. My sister's staying here from, uh, for, to watch Sasha. Uh, so she's just going to stay here. So Sasha doesn't have to go anywhere. Uh, so that's great. Went and did some grocery shopping for her yesterday. Got a few things. So dude, yeah, after I get this suit, I'm, I'm grabbing a suitcase, just going to start packing today and, uh, fucking rights. So the next time you and I talk, we'll be, uh, yeah. So I got a couple other. important questions. Um, Dalsy Hillblum and Lynn, it's three guys. I told names. you it was so something fucking weird. <laughs> Founded in San Francisco. Their headquarters are in Germany though. So you're, you, you're on the right track. Aaron, what sort of bubble wrap and or soft, um, non-breakable uh, textured fabric are you going to be using on the pasta maker? That's what I really want to know. Okay. There, okay. So that's another whole wrinkle in this whole thing. So for how excited I am to get on vacation and see some friends in San Diego and and. Johnny Riley, shout out Johnny and I have a couple days in San Diego before everybody else gets there. It's going to be great. <clears throat> Your sister texted me this week, and I don't remember if I brought it up on here, but when you guys came down to go to, uh, when we all went to Sally's, you know, we we're on the way back. Everybody, oh, the number one pizza place in the entire world. People forget that. Actually, okay. nobody does forget that, as a matter of fact. Um, we had gotten back to my apartment. Everybody had had a few beers, and Gabe has always asked Gabe future Samantha's future uh, husband, uh, Gabe Schanenberger has. <laughs> no, that's not fair. <laughs> has asked me, Gabe Harrington <laughs> has asked me a couple of times about doing a wine tasting like I did in Maine. And so I had the idea. I said, listen, let's do one that Thursday night when there's really, you know, there's no wedding activities really going on. I said, I'll bring the pasta maker. We'll make pasta and we'll, we'll do a wine tasting afterwards. My thank you for, you know, including me and your family. And uh, so Samantha following up as all good business people do texts me this past week and said, Hey, are you, uh, are you still planning on making pasta next Thursday? I said, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't I? And uh, she's like, okay, well you can just do it here. Uh, you know, talking about her Airbnb uh, if that works. And I'm like, well, I'm like, which Airbnb has like more counter space? Um, and she's like, I don't know here. Like, and so I had her send, send her a picture of, or send me the listing for her Airbnb. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, that's fine. I said, how many people you reckon? So I can put together a shopping list. And she said a lot, like 30. So listen, it's, it's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not backing out of it. I'm not unconfident in my abilities. Uh, I should say our ability, since this is going to be a project we're doing together, but you know, the most I've ever cooked for when it comes to making pasta at one time was like seven. So we're basically quadruple that. Um, so <laughs> it's going to be, uh, yeah, Benny, it's going to be a bit of a process, I would say. Yeah, I guess I'm just a little, uh, I'm bummed out because our, our aprons, with the Sunday conversation logo, I ain't gonna be in on time. <laughs> I was just spit my coffee out. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah that was i mean that's my number one uh uh tiff right now but whatever we'll yeah we'll, uh, we'll get through that um so what does that even mean like how do you go about serving sizes for 25 to 30 people all right so the the here's my my basic equation the the standard recipe i use five cups of flour seven eggs is makes about seven like good sized portions okay so what i figured we would do is bump each one up so add an extra cup of flour um and a couple more eggs because the other thing too is all right, like a, a real like it doesn't master... make sense to make a huge fucking batch. We should make like a, a bunch of little batches. Is that what you're I was saying? just gonna say a real like a real legitimate pasta master would just whip one giant ball of dough up with everything. But if my math is right, you know, you'd be talking basically two dozen eggs and 18 cups of flour. I could maybe handle that, but the problem is, is if I fuck it up we're fucked. So it's, it's, it would be easier, I think, to work in three smaller batches that are just normal size. Do it that way, instead of trying to do it all in one shot. And if you fuck it up, you're fucked this way. If we mess up, there'll probably be leftovers that we can just do another one and it won't screw the whole thing. So yeah, I mean, and in all honesty, I think it's going to be one of those things where people watch us doing it. People are going to want to help. People are going to want to, you know, it's. Yeah. We're going to be like, get the fuck out of our kitchen. Yeah, get the fuck Back out. The fuck up. This is our fucking kitchen. We'll have, unless, we'll have cousin Dylan standing guard. Unless you've read kitchen confidential, you're not allowed in the <laughs> fucking kitchen. And fortunately all three of us have. So uh, it's going to be just fucking great. Yeah. So I, you know, the way I see it is what we'll do is. You know, we can all do a ball of dough. They're they're easy enough. Um, we each have to do probably two. Right? No, because I, no, I think if we do, so I think if we do six cups of flour, eight eight to nine eggs, that will probably be enough to make like 30 servings. Because she backed down on the number a little bit. She said probably like 25. And you got to figure, I mean, I guess we'll see. We can, we, at the end of the day, we'll be fine. So check, they check in at three. I'm going to probably go to the grocery store like on my way over there and I'll just bring everything and we'll make the dough. And then we got to let it rest for a while anyways. So we'll have time. And once the dough is made, then we just got to cut it, you know, and then that will, we'll parcel out. Everybody will have a job. And, uh, and then I just got to make the sauce, which is, you know, that is easy enough. I just got to make sure I make enough. And then, uh, yeah, yeah then, I gotta do, then I got to do a wine tasting after that. So I basically am working for about six hours on vacation on uh, Thursday and, it's gonna be great, but the house is pretty fucking dope, though. I haven't seen it, and it's it's kind of amazing all this this talk of excitement, and you know we're going on vacation. And you don't even know where you're staying. And there's a war going on just in the next next continent over. Yes, and, uh, there is. That's just you know, that's how good we are at segway and shit here on the pod. Um, dude, it's I, dude. I was. I'm not a fan of the news, obviously. Mm. And I've been like seeing a little bit of it. it. It's it's like I don't know, dude. I think they're getting worse at like the Hollywood cinema of like the news. Yeah, they definitely are. It's pretty bad, dude. 
like bomb strikes in Kiev oh, yeah. coming coming up next. And then they, you know, go on however many minutes of commercials and like come back and then like show like a firework. Like, you know. Did you maybe did, it's real? Maybe it, I don't know. It's I'm just I, I'm looking for your thoughts. Did you see the the it was I well you don't really have a you don't have a phone, so you may have missed it. They there was a fucking Joe Rogan posted it as as well as a couple other people I saw before anyone says it, you know, you, Joe big Joe Rogan guy. Um it was a video of yeah, them showing coverage like live from Kiev. And then you know how the news sometimes does that thing where they like cut to an ad break, but they leave the news feed like going in like the corner of the screen. Yeah. So there's like this like live feed of you of Kiev and then it like moves that down to the bottom corner and Applebee's ad starts playing and it's like yeah, dude, oh, what I fucking saw that. world are we living in? It was like where it's Applebee's like it's a fucking a it's a night. fucking world yeah. war, you know, it's a war going on. And America is so concerned with capitalism. Hey, we can't break away from our, our contractual obligation to our, our corporate sponsor. So here's an ad for Applebee's while you're watching Kiev get fucking blown up. Yeah, but like, it was like the song too. It like yeah, the song popped right on. It was right. like, the, uh, I don't even know who sings it. The, the guy, the country singer. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, overall, listen, I don't. I'm more, uh, it, I guess I'm more just looking at it from like a perspective of like, you know, watching the, the financial markets, like, or yeah. like how much they can. Oh yeah. 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 The, you know, this is going to, you know, wreak, wreak havoc on the financial markets and all this shit. And I don't know. It's just, it's almost fascinating to just see like how, every, you know, everything plays out in any time of like crisis, because it's like, almost in our faces that it's not even like clearly nobody gives a shit yeah you know it's like it, oh the war like i don't know do you think there was a time in life when like people like actually mourned this shit like i don't nobody is nobody's like changing their their daily life or well, it's so I, I'm actually glad you said that because when you first brought this up, that was actually the point I was going to make is that like, it's so weird right now. I mean, obviously, you know, we lived through the, well, we were alive during the first Gulf war and you had the, you know, the second Gulf war, if you want to call it that the uh, second invasion of Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. So like, you know, we were alive for those, but like, you know, how much attention did, did we really pay? You know, were, were you paying constant attention every day? Not really. And so it made me think back to like World War II where like you didn't have constant stimulation from everything around you all the time. Like, like that was probably the last war that people were like completely engrossed in all the time, like paying attention to watching the news every, well, I don't know, they didn't have TVs in the 40s. Yeah. Like, you know, watching, listening to the radio, I guess is what I should say every night reading the newspaper to find out what's happening where now it's like everybody's aware of what's happening and you know you see stuff on social media and shit like that but unless you're actively seeking out the news you can literally just go about your life like there's nothing going on you know and that's and that's crazy nothing like you know we drove we drove from georgia to, to dallas yesterday um super smooth ride like great ride it kind of rained for the last couple hours um but like you know not a lot of cars on the road just like easy easy ride 
podcast and I'm just like, you know, it's weird to think because like I'm doing like a Lakerka and, you know, it's like driving however many hours in Central America versus driving just across the United States. It's already like just the infrastructure is just it doesn't even compare. It's like uncomparable, you know, like their roads and everything work, but just the efficiency of getting, you know, from A to B is just, it doesn't compare. Like, so, but that being said, I know for a fact that pretty much most everyone down in Central America right now doesn't even know that any of this shit's happening. Right. That it's, there's no news on. As soon as you get back here, it's news, 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 blasted everywhere. Yep. You know, that's that's America. But nobody in Central America right now is is glued to a TV concerned about the the Russia Ukraine crisis, which right. is is bringing me to the American, you know, propaganda machine that is fucking the media. I mean, it's insane sure. how. I mean, it's it's uh, I don't know. I don't if it, know. if it bleeds, it leads, Benny. If it bleeds, it leads. Um, there's just so much negativity. Yeah, it's, it's like it's 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 we and we've talked about a hundred times on here. Like it, people are more drawn to negativity. Fuck, I was actually listening to a podcast about this not too long ago, and it was like pretty interesting about the way. The human mind reacts to negativity uh, more so than positivity. It was actually it was actually super interesting. I wish I had like taken notes because I I don't fucking remember it right now when I need it. But basically, that like that, that we as humans are more intrigued by negative energy, and that's why you know I mean think about it, Ben. CNN as a as a news site, and, and not even just CNN, Fox News, all of them, you know, are have gotten slaughtered since the pandemic has really, you know, slowed down or people don't care as much as basically what's happened, you know, so their ratings have gone in the toilet. What happens as soon as, you know, they just keep posting quarter after quarter of bad ratings. War breaks out in Europe, something to bring people back to the TV. And not that I watch live TV, but I've been reading articles on CNN just to see what's going on. So like, it's just a way to draw everybody back into mainstream media and, you know, and not for nothing. Have you ever seen the movie War Dogs with uh, Jonah um, Hill and actually, Miles Miller? I think I may have seen like parts of that or started watching that one time, but, but, but no, it's, I don't know it enough to know the. It's a, it's a good flick. It's, you know, there it's a, it's based on a true story about two, two basically like kids in their mid twenties that become international arms dealers for the U S military uh back okay. in the early 2000 2000 aughts and uh as a little callback to episode one right there and um but anyways people in the for, people forget that was 105 yeah. episodes ago hey, what's the average average podcast seven episodes uh seven episodes yeah so we're almost 100 past that <laughs> but um not, not in the very I, I i just happened to throw it on last night because i saw it on netflix and i, I like it a lot um, in the very, very beginning, they have Miles Teller doing a monologue over just B-roll footage of U.S. soldiers 
and it's talking about war and like what and it's he's basically like positing the question or um, posing the question of, you know, why do countries go to war? And they show a U.S. soldier like standing there in standard uh, standard gear and they price tag everything out. And he's like standard issue. And he, yeah, and he's like, it costs $17,500 to outfit an American soldier. And so he like goes on this, keeps going on this little diatribe. And it's like, the reason there's wars because of how much fucking money war generates all encompassing between defense contractors, between, you know, manufacturers of this stuff, between the news, between average, like this, the amount of eyeballs and dollar signs that, war draws is why there will always be war you know unfortunately you know it's just it's the reality of it. have you seen that whole thing the list of all the things that ukraine is like the basically like the reasons to invade ukraine like you know all the the mineral deposits they have like it's like a very like wealthy country in terms of like natural resources and you know it's it's just of course of course this was this was always bound to happen at some point I mean, Putin's gold been, oil, gold oil, drugs. God, that's what every war is. Gold oil, is. drugs. Um, um, but so, yeah, no, like for real, like, you know, people don't realize that in the early, like you, you were talking about the Gulf War, you know, the yeah. first invasion of Iraq right after 9-11. It's like there's there's photos circling around of U.S. military trucks with, I don't know thousands and thousands of bars of gold just like in yeah, the backs of sure. them. it was just a it was a it was a pure like melee in terms of take anything you want like they'd be raiding these palaces and you know whatever cutlery forks knives just made out of 24 karat gold anything you can imagine it's just like you know it's the first thing people are, are taking and uh you know, shipping home or, or whatever the hell they're doing. It's just like, you know, and then, okay, we're done raiding all the palaces for gold and we got all the gold reserves. Let's, let's hit the poppy fields. Yep. Let's go fucking yeah, gather yeah. it up. So oh, and then what happens next? There's a fucking, you know, an internet or an, yeah, it's probably at this point, a global, you know, crisis from, you know, the uh, opiates the opioid crisis or, yeah. or whatever so benny i uh not to like totally pivot and switch topics because yeah you're right i mean you're right i, I oh, we should well we this should. isn't this isn't any more uplifting but i was going to say you just sparked my the thought in my head i watched uh there's a two-part documentary on hbo called crime of the century that is basically about the opioid okay. crisis and uh you know, the first episode, I, I only was able to watch the first episode. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm familiar with a lot of this stuff. Um, but the first episode was all about Purdue Pharmaceutical, which we, we talked about briefly on here. And actually, when we talked about Purdue Pharmaceutical, I, I mean, I guess I was just naive and I didn't understand the full scale of their role in the uh, creation of the opioid crisis. But like, Dude, this is, this is the part, like when we, you know, back when you and I were like, you know, super, super heavy on the, like, we don't want to get the vaccine, like, because it's, you know, we care about our bodies and all that stuff. A lot of my hesitancy towards that was not necessarily a, that I felt I didn't need it, which 
the CDC has now agreed with me two years later. Um, but the fact that like these pharmaceutical companies are mega for-profit corporations that only have their bottom line in mind. And you can't look at what Purdue Pharmaceutical did in their part of creating this fucking crisis in this country. That is fentanyl has now become the number one killer of uh, adults 18 to 45 in this country. Um, it is a, it is a pro every person that's listening to this knows somebody or knows somebody that knows somebody who's been affected by the opioid crisis. I mean, it is legitimately uh, uh, an epidemic, a, a pandemic, which, you know, it's, it's probably international at this point. And it was created more or less by the marketing campaigns of a pharmaceutical company that when they got sued to the point where they had to file for bankruptcy, they were just absorbed by the United States government and have now become a company that's owned by the United States government because that's how much fucking money and business this all boils down to. And at the end of the day, you know, when you were talking about it being down in Central America, about like the American lifestyle and the, and the way that America runs itself, but like, that's what it, it's all fucking dollars and cents at the end of the day. Everything is a for-profit business in this fucking country. And like, you got to take that with a grain of salt, a grain of salt, because, you know, we all feed into it to a degree, but like, you can't sit here and tell me that people have other people's best interests in mind when we will destroy lives casually for dollars, whether that's through war or through, you know, sale of, of pharmaceuticals and shit like that. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple, I mean, a couple things off that, I mean, it's just, it's a never ending. It's basically, it's the biggest stronghold that, that they could possibly have. And especially like, then you throw in the fraudulent insurance business. Yep. You know, so now you have a cross between the pharmaceutical companies, the third party, you know, places like the pharmacies, Walgreens, yep. fucking yep. Um, CVS, any grocery store. And then you have, um, what was the other thing I just said? The insurance, the oh, the, insur the insurance, the insurance yep. companies. It's like, it's just a it's, it's probably the greatest one of the greatest like scams in history it's Dude, like, um we we took sorry not to interrupt but while this thought's in my head we took what could be a three-person process you go see your doctor your doctor tells you you need this you go to the pharmacy the pharmacy sells it to you boom you're gone and we've added insurance and you know major pharmaceutical corporations and lobbies and you've taken what could have been a three-person process and added fucking nine other people that all have to get their piece of the pot along the way which is exactly why you buy bitcoin exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I and but the, but there is there, i mean there is truth to that everything on the sunday conversation comes back to bitcoin or ethereum <laughs> <laughs> it's been that way for 105 episodes now but um well no it's just like getting back to like or because my thought is it's almost like there needs to be like decentralized medicine well, actually, I don't know if you know, that, there, if you're aware, no, no, no. Well, Mark Cuban is actually has actually created a company that is basically trying to do that. So they 
oh, fuck, I forget what it's called. I just listened to him talk, talk about it yesterday. Um, but basically, he created a, a, a pharmacy company. Um, like on the blockchain? Called uh, Cost Plus Drugs. Uh, cost Plus Drug. And, and, but basically what he did is he was like, he was upset that, you know, the, the, uh, pharmaceutical companies that were doing what they were doing, like, you know, with like Martin Shkreli and, and, you know, what yeah, happened to yeah. the price of insulin and all that stuff. So he created a company where basically he contacted the drug manufacturers for a lot of these drugs. And instead of like having this gigantic markup, he just takes 15% markup on everything across the board. And so it's like, it's like if you have insurance, it will cost you less than your copay does. So like you can get it for cheaper than you would with your insurance. If you don't have insurance, you're only paying 15% more than what the drug costs to make. Um, and I guess there's like there's like 200 drugs on there now. It'd be like 2000 by the end of the year. But basically, he's going after the, the these big companies that it it's not a, a true monopoly in the sense of one company cornering the market, but it's a monopoly in the sense of, all of them being in cahoots together and doing the same thing and just gouging people because they it's supply and demand. If you, if you're a, a diabetic and you need insulin to live supply and demand, man, you, the demand is you need that to fucking live. And somebody if they're a, a big enough piece of shit can charge you whatever the fuck they want for it. Oh shit. But then you could almost turn it back and be like, there's probably some sort of, of natural ingredient or, you know, a food naturally in nature that does that exact same thing that has been like suppressed or some shit. Yeah. Um, well, the, and that's, and that's the other thing, you know, that we, you this is actually to go back a little bit to what you're talking about with the poppy fields in, in Afghanistan, which by the way, you know, we talked about that. And I don't think that's even that big of a conspiracy theory is that like, you know, the, the poppy plants were, were definitely played a part in why we stay in Afghanistan, Afghanistan for so long. But like Afghanistan grows an obscene percentage of the world's poppies. It's like 75% or greater of the world's poppies. So it makes you think a little bit more about why we stayed in Afghanistan for 20 years. Coincidentally, as the opioid crisis rose to the uh, place it's at now. Um, but, uh, that's the other thing is if we, if there's a plant out there that's valuable enough or something natural, that's valuable enough. We'll just corner the market again. You know, we'll just have the U S military going and protected. Now, good luck getting your hands on it, you know? And so it's just, uh, I mean, it's just a scary, scary prospect, man. I mean, it just, it's the world we live in. We live in the United States of profit and I, I love America. I love being American. I, I do truly think that for the most part, it is one of, if not the greatest countries in the world. I just think our core values are really fucked and, and that's just never going to change. It's just never going to change. We're not really technically American. What are we? So, so then what, what does someone from South America say? I love being American. South American. I love. No, being, they have South their own America. countries down there, like Argentina and Brazil and uh, Peru and and Chile, and so they love those okay, countries. That's fair. They don't even all speak the same language, bro. They speak Portuguese and Portuguese and 
fucking different dialects of Spanish and, and German. Don't and German. Yeah. And uh Swiss. Um <laughs> and Belgian. But the um, but the, the 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 I mean the thing is is like you know America is a propaganda machine. And in, in you know, listen, this is like a weirdly like pro and anti-America podcast at the same time. All the superpowers are are that way. China's that way. Russia's oh, totally, that way. Totally. England's that way. You know, all these countries are the, are um, the same. The thing I wanted to, you know, I mean, there's a word called like predictive programming. It's been around for years. That's two words. Oh, son of a bitch. You're right. It's two words. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> there's two words called predictive programming. And, and it's like, I'm almost wondering if it's like at the point, like, dude, last night, on an American news network, Fox News or whatever, it, they were saying, um, at this point, all Ukrainian citizens are urged to go to their local police departments and get weapons. They, say, they, they, they said, yeah. like, verbatim, they said, they are handing out uh, weapons like candy to citizens, just helping to stop fight you know yeah. the the invasion of the russians or whatever so it's like I'm, I'm like sitting here thinking like are they just like like at the same time you can flip channels and they they're they'd be talking about like you know the problem with guns in america and sure. banning guns and then we're going to flip to the other channel and say at this point police stations are just giving out yeah. um dozens and or not, I'm not not dozens. They legitimately said thousands. Like yeah. just stupid words that would be coming from a news station. Like <clears throat> so in a way, it's almost like here we're gonna we're gonna give all our guns back in the United States, you know, yep. no more guns here. And then someone's gonna come invade us, and then it, it's gonna be quick, get to your local, you know, police station yeah. and and get guns to to protect us it's just like the irony is 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 unfucking believable yeah i saw uh i actually saw it. it was it was not a meme it was kind of a meme getting posted around of, of a like a, a left-wing uh political organization posting on uh twitter and like the first post was from like four or five years ago talking about you know, it was like basically like no citizen needs to have, you know, assault weapons at home, like, you know, that no person needs that in their house. And then it was a tweet from when the um, this, you know, invasion started. And it was like the Ukrainian government is handing out uh, weapons to all of its citizens, like repost this to say you stand with Ukraine. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, like, but and like, that's that's. That's why I don't, I think the, the, one of the biggest problems that we have in this country is, I was just out to dinner with somebody the other night and we we're talking about this, is the way that America lives in absolutes. Everything's left or right, black or white. There, it's, it's, we deal only in absolutes. Uh, for my Star Wars fans, only a Sith deals in absolutes. But the point being is that like, because the spectrum is always changing. So if you take this hardline anti-gun stance okay, what happens when the evidence is, is in front of you that like, you know what, maybe it's not a bad idea for Americans to be armed. God forbid anything ever happens like this here, but 
if it does, I mean, look at America would be more ready for it than any other country in the world, because I think there's more guns per capita in this country than there are people in this country. But Right. I was going to say, even if like there are enough people that are still like, you know, American enough, yeah. like, you know, I was just saying we can't technically United States of American enough <laughs> yeah, to right. to like. Oh, this one farmer has, you know, 400 guns. This right. other guy has zero. Well, thankfully, the farmer averages out the other guy to <laughs> yeah. having 200 guns. Yeah. So <laughs> if, you, um, if you got one, you got none. If you got 200, you're probably all right. Um, yeah, man, I just I think um, I think as a country, we deal too much in absolutes. And, you know, at the end of the day, one other thing I wanted to bring up. And we could we can start to kind of wrap this up after that. But that great Denzel uh, clip that is one of my favorites, you know, when he's quoting Mark Twain and he says, you know, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. The better part of that is at the end of it, the reporter asks him, so what do you do? And he says, you know, basically the onus is on you guys to stop trying to be first with everything. Everything the news reports is to be first. It's not to be right anymore. Um, because then we see that, you know, whenever there's a crisis, information gets thrown out and then hours later it starts to get backtracked or numbers start to get corrected or, you know, whatever, because the objective of these news stations is to have something first so that people will tune in and, and get viewership and advertising dollars and everything's for profit, as we said. But like, it's almost, it's like irresponsible what they do. Cause like, I don't know if you saw, there was, a, I saw it getting passed around social media. It was uh, TikToks of Russian paratroopers uh, parachuting into Ukraine during the invasion. And then somebody went back and found the video was seven years old. It was from a training mission. Like it was a seven-year-old video that was getting passed around on the fucking news of look at these Russian soldiers posting, you know, on TikTok during the invasion of Ukraine. It's like the video is seven years old. Then I saw a uh, another video of um, Russian fighter planes flying over Kiev, uh, like in formation, just, you know, one wave after another. Turns out that was just a video for practice for the Moscow air show. Like, and so these videos get thrown around and in the age of social media, people have more access than they ever have. And so this information gets thrown out there, like, and then passed off as fact. And then it doesn't get walked back until sometimes days or weeks later, but people then use those videos to formulate their opinions going forward. And then in, in every bit of conversation they have, they bring it up when it turns out it wasn't accurate. And so, you know, I, I, I've long hated the media. You know that I just, I think it's just irresponsible the way that not only the media portrays things, but the way that people follow what the media has to say, I think is irresponsible as well. That's why we started an international media company, right? where we control the narrative and we can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> Guess what? All you yeah. idiots. We didn't even invade Ukraine. <laughs> Jokes on you. <laughs> oh, but I, you know, it, listen, this podcast took a weird turn. It was like all excited about, Hey, we got this trip coming up vacation, blah, blah, blah. Let's well, talk about the war now, and the corruption of the American media. We just basically gave a quick, insight of of the uh of the american uh news propaganda machine that's right. what it is right throw something throw something throw something next thing you know it's like jesus what's going what's even happening yeah no, where are my hands right. what do i do with my hands what do i do with my hands 
exactly. No, I, it's, it's terrifying. And at the end of the day, I mean, you, that's why you, and this is something we preach on, you know, you have to be a truth seeker, go out, find your own truth, find the truth any way you can, you know, don't be afraid to look at alternative sources of information and, and, you know, formulate your own opinions. Don't let anybody tell you what to think, uh, figure it out for yourself. Unless those people are Ben and I, then you, we can tell you what to think because I mean, we're, we're pretty good critical thinkers, I think. Yeah. We use our brains. Imagine that. We use our brains. Um, okay. Let's wrap this episode 105 of the Sunday conversation podcast was brought to you by loyalty liquors. That's it. The next time you hear us, we'll be together we'll be together. And I, yep. I don't want to make any promises, but I'm pretty sure I have finally figured out how for how Ben and I can record together on the same laptop with two microphones. So one of us isn't quiet or loud, or we don't have to pass hey, the mic back and how, forth. You plug, how do you plug your microphone into the computer? USB. So I have one of those uh, C charger to USB adapters. Is that what I'm going to need? No, do you have or your do, do you have your Audio Technica 2020? Wouldn't wouldn't forget it for the world. No, I have multiple USB ports. So basically, the procedure is you merge. There's a way in the computer settings where you can merge the two USB ports to the computer only reading it as one input. And so when it reads it as one input, then you can go into GarageBand, split out the different microphones and give them their own levels. But because the computer is recognizing it as one microphone, it records it at the same level instead of prioritizing one over the other. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was like a six minute YouTube video and I could have just looked it up any of the other times we you, recorded you together and I just didn't do up. it. <laughs> just didn't do it. Because hey, this is accountability amazing. and being honest, Ben. Accountability and being honest. Love that. Find your truth. Exactly. Uh, all right, buddy. Well, hey, I'll see you in uh, in four days. Can't yeah, wait. Yeah, can't fucking wait. Love Damn. you, pal. Love you, bro.